Welcome to The Heart Podcast, a Christian podcast featuring sermons from The Heart Church and impromptu episodes covering a wide variety of topics. We hope you enjoy. Amen. Quick point of order. Uh, We will be, uh, when we meet in the north, this is a change because we had gone from 1130 to 1145. And now uh, we're back to 11.30. So can you guys say 11.30 with me? 11.30. Can we hear it? I'm sorry, I can't hear you. 11.30, let's go. So we'll be meeting at 11.30 when we meet here. Uh, We will not be back here until the 26th of uh, June. Amen? I want us to open our Bibles, Ephesians chapter 2, and I'm going to do something that I think I'm going to be afraid, but I'm going to do it anyway. You guys know what we talked about last week? Give me the title of our lesson last week. Okay, the title of the lesson was Invest. Can you say invest with me? No, with me. Invest, not invest with me, but invest. Ready? One, two, three. Invest. Say it one more time very loudly. One, two, three. Invest. Thank you very much. Appreciate it. We're going to talk about, uh, we're going to do the second part of our lesson today on investing. Uh, turn with, on, on investment. Last week we talked about God investing in us. Uh, turn with me to Ephesians chapter 2. Ephesians chapter 2. And we'll start, we're just going to read verse 8. Last week we read verses 1 through 10, which is one of my favorite passages. This week we're just going to look at verse 8 through 10, and then we're going to go back to Acts chapter 16, and we'll refresh, and then we'll start uh, our, what we're going to talk about today. It says, for, God, for it is by grace you have been saved through faith, verse 8. For it is by grace you have been saved through faith, and this is not from yourselves. It is the gift of God, not by works so that no one can boast, for we are God's workmanship, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. And Paul here, writing the church at Ephesus, he's encouraging them and reminding them that it is God's grace, it is by his effort, by his gift of his son on the cross, that we are able to have a relationship with him. We're able to be clean, as Lord Toya talked about. Uh, We're able to have the Holy Spirit. We're able to be renewed, to live this new life. It is by his grace. And grace, just to to break it down into really simple terms, it is by the the sole choice of the benefactor to, to offer a gift. And so it is, there's nothing, absolutely nothing we can do. It's solely based upon our, on God's decision to gift us this salvation. He chose to give us his son. And so there's absolutely no persuasion. There is nothing that can be done considering everything that we've done in our lives. He said, regardless of whatever it is, you cannot persuade me. I'm choosing to love you. So that is grace. His choice to love us, there's nothing we can do. He says, you did not earn this. You did not uh, will yourself to it. There's no no good work you could have done. It is solely because God loved you. It is by grace that we've been saved through faith. 
He says, so nobody can boast. There is no one that can say, well, I did this, so I deserve that. I did this, so look at my heart. Look, what, look at how much I gave to the poor. Look at how much, you know, I could have done this, but I didn't. I'm so righteous. No. God says it's nothing, there's nothing you could have done. It's by his grace. He says, and then, he says, for we are God's workmanship. Everything that God, uh, all the circumstances, remember we're doing, uh, we're focusing on our oikos, this whole idea of household, and how God strategic, supernaturally and strategically puts us in position to help other people know him. Well, he also put supernaturally and strategically put people in our lives so that we could know him. We are his workmanship. Our neighborhoods, our families, our circumstances, good or bad, he's allowed it so that we can become the people we are today. You realize that? I posted a picture on Facebook of my family uh, this week, and I, I looking at that picture, it's so amazing. Uh, I'm the youngest and the cutest in the family, as you can see in the picture. And I posted this picture, and I, real, I was like, man, how blessed am I to be in that family? Like, uh, my mom and dad were not perfect, but to be able to, the family that I was born into at that time was loving and fun, uh, you know, very accomplished. I am the least accomplished of all of my family. Uh, they all have postgraduate degrees. Uh, my brother's in a, a city attorney in San Francisco, assistant city attorney. My sister is a college president. My mom is a school counselor, got her PhD at 70. Uh, my dad got his master's degree, straight A's. Ne you would never know because he never said anything. He never posted no, no degrees on the wall. He was just Jerry Blake. It was, but he was just so humble. My mom was the ambitious one. Whatever, I got put in this family and I benefited from that. But that was all God. I didn't choose them. I didn't choose them. God chose them for me. The neighborhood that I grew up in, all the things, my health, my, all these things are from God. And God has done all this. We're his workmanship. But then it says that he's put us here for good works, that he's already created, and there's stuff that we are to do. And so God invests in us, and it's time for us to invest in others. Amen? And so we look over in Acts chapter 16. Today our focus is on our investment in others. Turn with me to Acts chapter 16. We read last week about the Apostle Paul and his journey to Macedonia where God redirected him. In Acts chapter 16, God had redirected him. And before we do this, we're going to hop in Acts chapter 16. We're going to tour throughout chapter verses, verses 1 through 33. But uh, I wanted to invite a special couple up. Come on up, special couple. Come on up. We are going to do a quick little interview. Special couple, come on up. You know who you are. I talked to you in advance. <laughs> special couple, come on up. Come on up. The next contestant on the North Region Sermon Series. Come on over to this side, please. You guys stand in front of those mics. We want to make sure we get your volume on those mics, please. Okay. Please introduce yourselves. Uh, my name is Donovan Walters. This is my wife, Colette. And we are a member of the Greater Hartford Church of Christ. The, the heart. 
Amen. They, when they came in, it was Greater Harbor Church Christ, but that's all another story. Uh, we're still the same. Go ahead. You can give each other kisses and start the day. Oh, yes. We like it. Okay. Uh, Donovan and Collette, uh, they got baptized. What year? What year did you all get baptized? 2012. In 2012. What month? May. May. So it's been now 10 years. 10 years. A decade. Yes. Yes. And uh, they've got a kind of a, a cool story, but how long have you all been married? Ten, Ten years. years. Ten years. When did you get married? 23rd of May. 23rd of May, and then they also got baptized in May. Amen. Uh, thank you. Uh, they allowed me to be a part of their marriage ceremony on your balcony, right? On your deck? Yes. On the deck in the backyard, they got married. Amen. They did it. I did it. I'm responsible. Every time they get in a fight, they say, Tim, it's Tim Blake's fault. <laughs> <laughs> so can you can you guys explain how you came to study the Bible and then get baptized? Well, well Donovan, you tell the story better. Well, for us, uh, at the time we were looking for a home to purchase in Bloomfield, uh, I'd look at one home, I would say maybe 10, 15 times. We liked the house, liked the area, but there was a police living next door. <laughs> I always have running with police, so I don't hate them, but I distance myself. And there is one Sunday morning I was outside, and I've seen this gentleman, well-dressed, clean. He came out. He was going to work. He said, are you the one that purchasing the home? Going to be living there? I said, yep. He said, okay, I got to ask you a question. Do you go to church? I said, yes, I go once in a while. He said, do you mind if I invite you to the church I'm going? I'm like, okay. He, long story short, he did invite me. He said, I'm not going to ask you to come. I'm just going to invite you and let you make your own choice. Tell me what you think. Last Sunday, the both of us went to church. We weren't married, but we were living together. Just about, you know, the home, about about the home. And we've been dating for a while. Went to church that day. I had met Tim that Sunday. I had met Jimmy that Sunday. But just the environment, you know, the, the service was great. But the people, you know, it was something like I've never seen before. My thinking of religion was... A little bit different. A lot different, say so. <laughs> but the love that I have felt and I have experienced from everyone, not just a certain group of people, but what caught my eye the most is was the vast, how could I put it? Congregation, Congregation with so many different races, that you could think of the love that they show. I said to myself, I would love to have that. Amen. Then I break the story down to the end. I was invited to family group meeting, which was great. Yes. I have a great family group meeting until today. Even today, it's, I'm not saying it's the best, but it is the great. <laughs> it is great. My wife would say something else also. 
Okay, and come to the mic. We we had um lived there for and then Ian invited us to the family group meeting and uh, we met Mike and Katrina and JB and Lorraine and Lavon and Glenda. We met no Mike and Katrina and Lorraine and Lavon. They were in our group at the time and I said, what a wonderful set of people they are. Um. Is this for real? Because, you know, like everybody is so caring and just, just hug you and just, they just invite you into their life. Like they know that you're a part of their family. And when I visit the church more than once, all of the people are the same thing. And I said, we asked Ian, how can we study the Bible? Never know that Ian said he and his group was praying all along to get a wonderful couple to join their group. So now Donovan and I, we studied the Bible and we received and we decided to make Jesus our Lord. And we um, got baptized. We got married first, then we got baptized. <laughs> so and then, since then, we've been worshiping at the church. And let me tell you something. It's a wonderful, wonderful feeling. And just the part of it that we really love, we're not in this alone. We have people in the church who looks out for you, care for you, who texts you, who say, is everything okay? And you don't have to feel in the back of your mind, what did I say to John is safe? You just felt safe and loving. And I, I, I just can't imagine anyone don't have this kind of relationship with God. And I'm not saying with my church brother and my sister because I do have a, we do have a relationship. But if it wasn't for God, we wouldn't have this relationship. Mm, amen. So. Amen. couple questions for you. How many meals did they feed you? <laughs> Nothing. They never fed you at all? Yeah, uh, just... Oh, wow. Wow. Okay. I thought for sure they lived next door. Lloyda always loves to cook and entertain. I thought for sure she might have fed you. Amen. So uh, how many, over the past 10 years, how many counseling times have you had? Have people had to sit down, talk through your marriage, help you out spiritually? Oh, I think since we've been married. Uh, the only counseling I have received, not away from, you know, being in the faith. Yeah, just way. spiritual help. Have, have you had many talks, prayer times? Yeah. <laughs> a few, <laughs> a few over a decade. Yeah. And just so y'all know how amazing it is for people to make it 10 years. Are you guys happily married? Yes. Okay, I thought so. Uh, for people, to, you know the average length of a marriage in the United States? Actually, 8.2. It's, it's longer. 8.2 and the divorce rate is sky high. And there are people that are married but really ain't married. You guys with me? Yes. For, so for, for God to be able to do what he's done, uh, it's taken a significant investment. Obviously, God has invested the, in them. Open up a home for them next to a clean-cut police officer uh, <laughs> and his attorney wife. And also in down the street from the Reeds as well, right? Walking yep. distance. Is yes. that accurate? Yes. 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 And they're all right. They're all right, too. But God, uh, and just so you know, I know uh, Ian will tell the story, and that group will tell the story of how they were praying. They had a family group time where they, and family groups are small groups in the church in our different neighborhoods, different neighborhoods around the city. We have small groups. 
They prayed, God, we want to be, we're here for a reason. Help us to meet a couple. And then God brought Donovan and Colette. Amen? Amen. Thank you. You guys heard. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. It took prayer, identification, and an investment. They're not here, uh, and they, they would share, they're not here for 10 years faithfully in their marriage, faithfully without help, without an investment. Obviously, God invests, but we invest in one another. Acts chapter 16, verse 1. Uh, you can go to, yeah, God has invested time, money, blood, flesh, talent. We talked about that last week. And we talked about, go to the next one, we all do cost-benefit analysis. Next slide. Ding, 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 ding. Come on, B. Keep pressing. Keep, there we go. It's time for us to invest in others. Acts chapter 16. We're going to take a quick tour. Acts chapter 16, verse 1. It says, he came to Derby and, Lish, and, Derby and then to Lystra. And this is all in, in southern Turkey, if I'm not uh, mistaken. Uh, where a disciple named Timothy lived, whose mother was a Jewish and a believer, but whose father was a Greek. The uh, brothers at Lystra and Iconium spoke well of him, Timothy. Paul wanted to take him along on the journey, so he circumcised him because of the Jews who lived in that area, for they were all, they all knew that his father was a Greek. As they traveled from town to town, they delivered decisions reached by the apostles and elders in Jerusalem, if you read chapter 15, for the people to obey. Uh, the churches were strengthened in, in the faith, and they grew daily in numbers. And then Paul, again, along with Timothy and Silas, they, go to, they tried to go to another place. God would not allow them to try to go to another place. It says the spirit of Jesus wouldn't let them in there either. And then they run into Lydia. They said they uh, expected to find a place of prayer. And then they ran into Lydia, and this is around uh, verse 11 and following. But I want to talk about this Timothy portion first. It says that when Paul, he got to uh, List Derby, and he, he got, came to Derby and then to Lystra, he ran into a disciple named Timothy, and uh, he wanted to take him along on the journey with him. And it says that his father was Greek and his mother was Jewish. Uh, his mother was a believer, if you, re, uh, if you his, was a disciple. If you read in chapter, 1 Timothy chapter 1, uh, or chapter 2, it talks about his grandmother and then his mother. Uh, who helped pass along the faith to him. And so Timothy was a disciple, but his father being Greek, he was not circumcised. And if you read about in Jewish law, the Mosaic law, they were all boys were supposed to be circumcised after the eighth day. And so because his father was Greek, he was not circumcised. Now this is all a big deal. This is, for us, it's kind of like, wow, that's kind of weird to be talking about that. But in that culture, it was, it was a deal. It was legitimate. Paul, he wanted to take him along, but he said, if you come along with me, you're going to have to get circumcised. And I wouldn't necessarily Google circumcision, but you can Google the definition if you don't know what that is. Um, don't Google image search that at all. Um, and so Paul wanted to take Timothy along, and again, here's the thing. It says that all... Everybody spoke well of him. So it wasn't like he had an issue or he had like this, these character problems so he had to make some changes to go along. No, his character was fine. Everybody spoke well of him. But he had something in his life that needed to change so that he could be more effective. Now, here's the thing about that. As he traveled around 
Amen. So people would have asked the question, are you circumcised? Because they're going to be going to synagogues and all, and all those type things. So there was something in him. Even though he was a disciple, he was saved, he had great character. There was something in him that needed to change. And Paul had to be the one to do it. One, he had to have to talk with him. Then he had to probably do the circumcision as Paul had been a rabbi himself. And so I think the thing about it is when we invest in other people, there's sometimes we got to get our hands dirty. And Paul had to get his hands dirty. Getting into Timothy's life was something that wasn't necessarily outwardly apparent, right? But there was something inside that needed to change for him to be more effective, for him to influence people, uh, for him to influence people that he needed to influence. And there's some challenges with this. Some things, one, uh, Timothy, he wanted to be impactful, and so he had to go. For him to be able to invest in others, he needed to, he needed to take a risk. He needed to allow that man to circumcise him so that he could invest in others. Paul had to get his hands dirty. You can go to the next slide. Paul needed to get his hands dirty. There's some things, keep clicking. challenges they had to overcome. There are enemies of investment that we battle. One, we don't like the risk. Timothy had to take a risk. Two, Paul had to get his hands dirty. A lot of us do not like getting our hands dirty, getting involved in other people's lives. I'm sure if Donovan and Paulette were to share uh, of some of the talks, and we studied the Bible, and as, as Ian studied, Ian and one of the group studied the Bible, there were some challenging talks that needed to be had. Things that needed to be talked about that all of us Never talk about with anybody else. You guys with me? You gotta get your hands dirty if you are going to invest in other people. I know people in my life, they heard things that I shared about my sin and about my character that, like, people were like, I don't want to hear that. I know a lot of us, as we study Bible, people are like, oh my gosh, we have to pray before we go into Bible study because there's sometimes we're like, oh, I have no idea what I'm going to hear. You guys with me? And sometimes the enemies, we do not want to get our hands dirty. Secondarily, or thir thirdly, we want to microwave mentality. We want to be able to throw somebody in the spiritual microwave for 30 seconds and have them come out piping hot and ready to go. <laughs> it don't work that way. It take, it, no, none of us works that way. None of us are this instant spiritual creation. It takes time and preparation. Uh, imagine, I, and again, I'm, I'm just using this, Paul, he's having to talk, he's like, okay, I want to take you along this journey, and I know you want to you serve 
And so we expect, as we read the Bible, how quickly Timothy made that decision. We expect that the decisions we make for other people, we expect other people to change as quickly as we read it in the Bible. And it don't work that way. <laughs> Lastly, the thing that hinder us, that things that hinder us, and we're going to read this next section, is having an opportunistic mentality. Turn, look with me in, chapter, in verse 11. It says, uh, for trials we sell, uh, anyway, we're going to go to 13. On the Sabbath, we went inside the city gate to the city where we expected to find a place of prayer. We sat down and began to speak to the women who we gathered there. One of those listening was a woman named Lydia, a dealer in purple cloth from the city of Thyatira, who was a worshiper of God. The Lord opened her heart to respond to Paul's message. When she and the members of her household were baptized, she invited us to her home. If you consider me a believer in the Lord, she said, come and stay at my house. And she persuaded us. Now, mind you, she had to have a house big enough at that time for to be able to, uh, you know, obviously she was a business owner. Uh, she had a house. She was wealthy enough to be able to have Paul and his companions. It just wasn't Paul himself to be able to stay in her house. But it said that she persuaded them to stay a few more days. Now, Paul and Silas and Timothy and the rest, they had places to go and things to do. They had not reached their destination of Macedonia yet. But she persuaded them to stay a little extra time. And here's the thing. Here's the, uh, actually, we're going to read. We'll keep going and I'll come back to it. Uh, shoot with me on down uh, to verse 25. Uh, they get in some trouble. They get arrested put in jail, and about midnight, verse 25, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God, and the other prisoners were listening to them. Suddenly, there was such a violent earthquake that the foundations of the prison were shaken. At once, uh, the prison doors flew open. Everybody's chains came, up, came loose. The jailer woke up, and when he saw the prison doors open, he drew his sword and was about to kill himself because he thought the prisoners had escaped. But Paul shouted, don't harm yourself, we are all here. The jailer called for lights, rushed in, fell trembling before Paul and Silas, and then he brought them out and asked, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? They replied, Believe in the Lord Jesus, and you will be saved, you and your household. Then they spoke the word of the Lord to them, to, to him and, all, and to all the others in the house. At that hour of the night, the jailer took them, washed their wounds. Then he immediately, he and his family, were all baptized. The jailer brought them into his home and set a meal before them, and he and he was filled with joy because he had come to believe in the God, he and his whole family. Now, here's the thing, the last one, the opportunistic mentality. We are a society that is constantly looking for new opportunities. Paul and Silas and his contemporary in that group, they had opportunity. One with Lydia to leave. we got to go to the next place. Then here with the jailer, once the gates were open, once their, their chains flew off, what did they have opportunity to do? Leave. We're put here unjustly. We've been beaten. We've been flogged. We've been disrespected and dishonored. Now God has freed us. We out. 
brothers and sisters, one of the things that keeps us from investing in others is our desire to find something new, a new opportunity. And God, and I was listening to a sermon of this guy, he said something very interesting. He said that uh, one of Satan's main, uh, main tools is opportunity. Now, he doesn't always present obstacles, but he presents opportunities which, which become obstacles. And uh, he shared about Adam and Eve and how Eve, you know, when the serpent came, when Satan came, uh, he gave her an opportunity. Look, look at that fruit. He goes, did God really say you can't eat it? There's knowledge in that fruit, and she took it. And then even when Jesus was tempted, after we fasted, it was opportunities. Turn those stones to bread. Bow down, look, bow down to me. All these kingdoms will be yours. It was opportunity. And I was thinking, as I thought about meditating through the passages, I was like, wow. David got caught up by an opportunity. He was on the roof in, in uh, 2 Samuel chapter 11. He was on the roof, looked over, looked over and saw Bathsheba. And said, sent someone to go find out about her. It was an opportunity. And for a lot of us, we have all these opportunities open to us. And we, they become obstacles to what God has right in front of us. Investments in other people. And they mess us up. Let's go to the next slide. Here's the thing about it. When it comes to investing, what we, we always think about the cost. And one thing you got to realize, we're playing with house money. In Ephesians 2, it says, by grace we've been saved, right? And we're his workmanship. And so he's created good works in advance for us to do, but it's all his work. And it's all things that he planned out for us. And really, he's already paid the cost. So he's paying for the investment. He's providing the investment. All we have to do is show up. And for some of us, I know it's hard because we, we feel like we are actually losing something, but we're only losing, if there's something to be lost, we're only losing what God gave, gave to us in the first place. But we hold on to it like, oh, if we lose it, I'll never get it back. It's mine. It was never yours to begin with. It's not your money. It was not your time. It was not your opportunity. It was all God. He gave it to
you know, brought people to church all the time. And I, I was like, hey, you got to study the Bible with them. And they're like, no, no, I just bring them. You go ahead and do the studies. You do all that stuff. I'm like, what are you talking about? We're all supposed to do that. Like every person in here, God has given us the ability to help, uh, help other people. Now, here's the thing. You can't help everybody. You can only help the people that God has put in your life. You can only help the people God has put in your life. And it's so, it, it's so interesting. Uh, we want to choose which way that our hands get dirty. Like, oh, I like his dirt. I'm going to get in his life. No, it don't work that way. The reason God has placed certain people in your life is so that you can get your hands dirty with it. Because there's something only you can get clean with. You guys with me? Sam and I were over in France with the European Mission Society uh, uh, last month. And man, we went over there, and I love the people. I love the city. Uh, we, we, uh, we were able to go to Bordeaux and then we went to, uh, went to Paris. And I was like, oh, I could do, I could, I could be here. This could be amazing. I could, my wife speaks French. I could learn, you know, I can learn. I can pick up on language as well. The culture, I could learn to move the way the people move. I could see myself here. That ain't my dirt over there. And unless God makes it clear, that's not where I'm supposed to be. And you know, you know where you're supposed to be? Exactly where God has you. Where he's prepared works in advance for you to do. Places for you to make it, get your hands dirty. Nowhere else. Next. Oven-baked food tastes better than microwave any day of the week. We talk about a microwave mentality. Brothers and sisters, it don't work that way. Oven-baked takes time. nuggets in for like five minutes. I'm like, they're half frozen. What are you doing? Oven food tastes better, but it tastes, it takes longer. It's healthier for you. And if we want a church filled with disciples, people that are following God, it's going to take time, effort, and investment, preparation. It's going to take work, guys. And I've heard this refrain and I uh, heard it earlier this week, and I've heard it, uh, especially last year, I heard a lot. That the church just isn't the same. It's not how it used to be. I heard that a lot last year. And you know what I realized? I was like, you know why it's so different? Because there are so many people that invested so much to make it what it was for us. There were people, and I remember hearing the stories of people selling engagement rings to send out mission teams. Selling their homes, uh, helping get part of their inheritances so that churches can get started. And people were, you know, all the different things that they served in children's ministry and all these things to make the church what it was. And now it's our turn. 
us, it felt like it just appeared. And we came in, like uh, Donovan and Colette, they come in, they see all this diversity and all these people that are so nice. It was because so many people were invested in building the church. And it's not going to change. If it's not the same, it's because we're not the same. You've got to invest. It takes, it takes time, but it tastes better. Lastly, to fight against God has provided us here. God has made it here. This bird in the hand, this, the heart, this church, God has given us here. There are so many uh, uh, places, and just so you guys know, in the Northeast, generally speaking, people move out all the time. People aren't just clamoring to move to Connecticut. You guys didn't know that? North Carolina, South Carolina, Georgia, Florida, Texas, all of these other places, people are just moving to these places. Houses are cheaper, all these things. You know, we can work remotely and do it all there now. Guess what? That's an opportunity. But it may not be the place where God has for you. You're going after those two birds in the bush, that fantasy, when God is saying, no, I got something for you right here. Relationships, purpose, it's all here. What are you going to do with it? Because a lot of us, we spend so much time thinking about where we're going to go and what we can do and what we're going to do, and we never do anything where we're at. we got to fight against that. Last slide, as we finish. There's two types of investing in other people that we've got to do. There's macro investing. Big picture. We invest in God's church as a whole. We invest in God's church, we give financially, we serve in different ways, uh, we give special missions contribution, uh, it goes to support our churches in Europe, it goes to support our, our, our uh, missions in uh, the Caribbean, uh, we do that, we give that, that's a big picture, but then there's the micro, right, in your family groups, in our small groups, you got to invest in those relationships, in those small groups. If the only time you were doing something is when there's something put on the calendar, that's not an investment. Scripturally, in Acts chapter 2, how they built, it says they met in their homes daily. They broke bread together. They built community and relationships with one another. And here's the challenge. What's, what's happened over the pandemic? 
All of our normal rhythms have been jacked up. They've been messed up. And so, uh, and I, I got to be honest with you, for myself, who I, my wife uh, shared with me a few weeks ago, she goes, Tim, you've always been good at entertaining and having people in our home and, and doing stuff. And I realized over the past two years, you ain't got anybody in your house, right? <laughs> people are coming in and you're like, oh, okay. Use hand sanitizer, spray gel, Lysol. <laughs> I got a change of clothes for you. Leave your shoes outside. But I realized, like, it is so easy just to be in your house with nobody else. And all of our rhythms have changed, and we've got to step out and start building relationships. Some of us, it's been easier than others. Uh, but we, we do have to invest in that. Now, I will say this. There are some who, they're great, because I'll go to a party, I see people at parties and all this stuff. But then I come to service, and they're not a service. I go to the grocery store, and they're like, hey! But then I come to service or midweek, and they're not there either. And I think we got to ask ourselves what we're investing in. We're going to work. And this is not for everyone. And I get it. There's some real apprehension, and rightly so. But we're, we're going to work. We're going to the grocery store. We're going to parties and school functions and sports things. We're investing in all of that, but we're not investing in the thing that God has called us to invest in the most. His church and his people. Amen? There is always a return on investment with God. We cannot outgive him. We invest, God promises, I promise you, I've given you works in advance. It will be fruitful if you invest in, in others. I'm investing in you. And God, in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 8 and 9, Paul says, his, it says, he says, I'm the worst and the least of all the apostles. He, saw, he says, but this grace in me was not without effect. There was a return on his investment. I worked harder than all the other apostles because of the grace given me. God has given us such grace. He's created good works in, for, in advance for us to do. He's invested in us heavily over the years. The longer you've been a, a Christian, the more investment he's done. God has given maximum investment because he believes he'll get a maximum return. The last thing I'll say, the one last thing that we've got to fight against, a lot of us want to give a minimum investment and get a maximum return. We want to give the least amount possible. It's like a corporate mindset, right? We want to give you a little bit, but we want everything in return. And we have the same mindset sometimes. We want to give a little bit, but get everything back, and it don't work that way. We give to God and we give our whole hearts to him. And God will continue to give his whole heart to us. We invest in other people. We got to do it wholeheartedly. And God will make that work fruitful. The church will grow. The church will be vibrant. The church will be what God and what we want it to be. Because we've invested. God's invested us and we've invested in other people. Amen? Amen. We'll see you on Father's Day. We got one last song. for listening to The Heart Podcast. To learn more about The Heart, 
visit us online at hartfordchurch.org.